Uh, I saw, I was watching a, a podcast that I, I follow. They did like a Thanksgiving Day special and I watched them. And um, they said that, you know, we're all in a battle. We're all in a spiritual battle in our lives. And uh, when we get depressed, when we get down, when we lose sight of who God is and how we should live in light of him and the thankfulness is gone, we're really open to attacks. We're open, we're weakened. And, and I love how um, Nehemiah says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen? I just love that. So I hope you guys gave thanks this week and enjoyed time with your family. We're going to be in Mark chapter 10. So if you have your Bibles, you can get those out. Mark chapter 10. And this is an awesome passage. I really think that God has something awesome that he wants to share with you today and share with all of us today. I'm so pumped. I've been really looking over this passage over and over and over again and um, been really thinking about wording and uh, how things are said. And even right before I came up here, I made a couple scribbles. So... Hopefully, you will appreciate this. It, it'll, it'll be a little different. It'll be a little different, but I think you will like it because I love this passage. I love this passage. Um, maybe I could just stop and pray real quick. Let's pray. God, I thank you for today. I thank you. Oh, man. I just pray that you would create in me, God, just a heart of thankfulness, a heart that is just just, man, just amazed with who you are, God, just your glory, just how you are so powerful, how you are so loving, how you are so sacrificial, God. Jesus, I love and so appreciate your example. And God, your sacrifice on the cross wasn't only to forgive me of my sins. It was for that, for sure. But it was also a powerful example as how I should live my life also. And God, as we just open up your word and we, we talk about Mark chapter 10, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would just reign and that you would just do awesome things in our hearts and minds. And we pray this in your name. Amen. All right, again, it's Mark chapter 10, verse 32 through 45. It is a big chunk. We're gonna chew through this quickly and there's a lot of text that we're gonna go through. But I'm excited the idea, the big idea, if I could say what my big idea is here right off the bat, it is we worship God, you and I, one way that we can worship God is by denying the self. You and I worship God by denying the self. Now, I want to explain a little bit. When, when I say self-denial, I'm not saying, oh, you're, you're in denial. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that the self, we all have the self. The self is your inner sinfulness. It is your inner desires. It's your want for comfort. It is your want for, uh, to be liked. It is everything that will hold you back from following Jesus. And Jesus' example is, and this was his worship, that he denied himself as worship to his father. And you and I are to deny ourselves as we worship Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus, now at this point in the passage, um, 
I was talking with Anthony about it, and this is a special passage, and I hope I do it justice. Um, it's a special passage because up to this point, the disciples, we've been in tethered now for a long time, and that's, we're continuing in, in, in Mark, and what's crazy is they have been with Jesus now for a while. They are, in a lot of ways, tethered in. And maybe in a lot of ways, they're like you and me, where we have heard a lot. We have heard a lot. Um, we have taken in a lot, and God has, has worked in our, our lives so much. But there is one huge thing that God wants to teach his disciples, and it's not going to be fully taught, but he's going to do his best, and he's going to try to teach them in this passage that part of their worship is self-denial. Self-denial. These men, these disciples, they were common men. They were from various, you know, walks of lives. Many of them were fishermen. And as they were hanging out with Jesus, this was amazing, okay? They were just, they were just guys. And here they are following Jesus. He's healing people. He's casting demons out. Just imagine what this must do for you, right? These disciples, they were living, you know, just a very simple lifestyle. And now... They are the entourage to God. That's crazy. That is amazing. Just think what that would do to your mind. Um, maybe there would be some pride that would crop up. Maybe there would be some jockeying for position. That's what we're going to see today. But even though God had taken them a long ways, there was still a long ways to go. After this passage, so that was leading up to this passage. After this passage, it is downhill to the cross. So this is really a transitional passage. Jesus talks about his death, and um, there's a famous line in here, which we'll read, we'll get there. And then from here on out, they are going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus is looking to the cross. Amazing. He is about to enter the final week of his life, the most powerful whirlwind of a week, that will end in his death. They had learned so much, but they were far from being prepared. Jesus knew that they were not yet fully in. They were not prepared to fully embrace the denial of self. They were not there yet. And that's where we're going to jump into our passage. So uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 32. One more thing that I would like to say before I jump in is on this idea of denial when you and I first become, became Christians, or when a new believer becomes a Christian, the first thing that they have to do is they have to repent of their sins. They have to repent of their sin. That's the first step. You repent of your sin, and then you believe the gospel. That's what the Bible says. What self-denial is, is it's a form of repentance. It's saying, hey, I've got these sinful desires. It's a residue from the fall. We're all born sinful by nature and choice, the Bible says, and we have to put off this, this thing that's always going to hug closely to us, these, these sins that cling so closely. We're supposed to cast those out and constantly kill those things, constantly get rid of those things in worship to Jesus Christ. Now also, it is also true that this is not something that's one and done, but for me especially, and for you, if you've been a believer for some time, you must continually practice self-denial or denial of the self. Let's read this passage. Mark chapter 10, and we're just going to read the first section. 
So verse 32, it says, And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them, and they were amazed. And those who followed him were afraid. I just got to stop there. They were amazed and afraid. That's an interesting combination, right? Isn't that interesting? It's like, whoa, you know? Uh, I think that's hilarious. That's so funny. The, the passage that was just before this was Jesus talking to the rich young man. And it, it's very amazing. There's so many times where Jesus does something and it, it amazed how he responded to them. This rich young man, he was said, hey, I can do everything. I, I am following God's law perfectly. I don't have anything to do. And God says, well, give everything that you have to the poor. And he goes away sad because he's not willing to do that. Right after that, they're going up to Jerusalem. They're amazed. They're, they're afraid of Jesus. Just imagine being with Jesus. Oh man, that would be crazy. Continuing on. And taking, and taking the 12 again, he began to tell them what was to happen to him, saying, see, we're going up to Jerusalem and the son of man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles and they will mock him and they will spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, they will, and he will rise. Interesting. I think it's interesting that Jesus felt the need to tell his disciples this. You know, he's given them a heads up saying, hey, guys, I'm about, to, I'm about to die. Are you ready for this? And this is not the first time. Jesus has told his disciples this. Now, this is the third time recorded. Uh, first, he says it in chapter 8. He tells them, hey, I'm going to die. Um, I'm going to be beaten and crucified. In chapter 9, he also says, hey, I'm going to die. He's telling them. And then also now in chapter 10, he's telling them again. Here's the question. Why is Jesus telling his disciples about his death so much? Why is Jesus telling his disciples about his death so much? I want you to think about that. What would you say if I brought this mic to you? What would you say? Why, is, why does Jesus feel compelled to tell his disciples so much about his death that is coming? I, I'm going to give you 45 seconds, turn to one or two people next to you and share your idea, okay? Go. You guys got this. This is where you interact. Why is Jesus telling his disciples about his death so much? That's the question. Okay, would I, get, can I get a, okay, can we really interact? Okay, here we go, guys. Who wants to, does anybody want to share? I will come find you. I will find you. I will find you. Okay, why do you think Jesus is telling his disciples he's going to die so much? Why, why would you say? He wants them to be fully prepared. Wants them to be fully, pre wants them to be fully prepared. I love that answer. Somebody want to add on that? Build on that? That was great. I love it. Anybody else? I'm coming. Here we go. Here we go. Well, my wife and I think that he was knowing that they thought something else might happen, that they saw all the miracles and they thought 
he was going to have kingdom on earth here. A misconception. Yeah, they were, they weren't getting it. Yeah. I love those answers. Okay, those, those were good. Those were good. Okay. Now all the rest of you can breathe a sigh of relief. I'm not going to go find you. I will find you. That's the line of the day. I will find you. What is that? That's from Superman, where he's like, I will find you. You guys know that? Okay. Whoa, squirrel. All right. Whew. Um, I was thinking a lot about this. Why did Jesus say this so much? And those answers were dead on, I think. They were dead on. Two, two halves of a whole. Jesus knows that they are not even close to being ready for what's going to happen. They never understood what Jesus is saying. And even when he's getting portrayed by, G by Judas, right? He's getting hauled off, right? They all scatter. They all leave him. It's like, this is not, they, they are nowhere near denying them, their selves or self-denial. They're not there. They are excited for their own position. They were common men. There's a huge disconnect with Jesus and his disciples. And I just want to observe this just for a minute. There is a huge disconnect with who Jesus is and how he's acting and his mindset and the disciples. Have you noticed this? Jesus is like, guys, I'm going to give up my life. Jesus is so willing to just give everything for what God wants to do. Isn't that amazing? Man, Jesus has open hands and he's like, I'm going to give everything. And he's telling them, hey, I'm about, I'm about to do it. I'm about to do it. And they're like, no, you're not, Jesus. They're like, you're not going. No, you're not. You're not going to die. What? We're, you're going to be king or whatever it is, you know? There's a huge disconnect. Jesus was willing to embrace self-denial, the denial of self, because he was so much closer to God. For the disciples, the self was way too important. For the disciples, the self was way too important. Because their own well-being was still so important, they were not about to understand. They were about to misunderstand. They were about to despair and ultimately to betray Jesus. The self, the self. Now, I want to jump in here. We have jumped in, but there's kind of three big points that I want to say when it comes to denying the self. And how does this work? Okay, I want to be like Jesus. I don't want to be like the disciples, right? Where I'm not ready for anything and there's a truck coming and I'm going to get, you know, bulldozed over. I want to be ready. I want to be able to deny myself in worship to God. I want to be that, right? I want to be like Jesus. I don't want to be like the disciples. Okay. Point one. Here's your first point. The closer you get to God, the smaller the self will be. Let me say that again. The closer you get to God, the smaller the self will be. This is true. I have a funny story that I have shared with you. So when I was in high school, uh, I wanted to hang out with Jennifer. And that went well because I'm married to her now, so that's great. But at the time it wasn't, and I, you know, just wanted to hang out with her. She was a year younger than me, and we had some elective classes. And I was like, hey, what do you want to do, Jennifer? Do you want to do an elective class together? And so we were looking through the electives and stuff, um, and we we're, you know, seeing some of the classes. We're like, oh, no, that's crazy. That's too much work. You know, we wanted something that wasn't going to be too much work, but was going to be fun or, you know, 
uh, one of those classes. And uh, we went down the list, and Jennifer's like, oh, let's do interior design. And I was like, oh, interior design? And I was not enthused about this. I was not, I was not excited about this idea. But I was like, okay, well, for Jennifer. Okay, so, so I signed up for the class. Well, I got into it, and I did not like this class. This class was, it was not good. But what I found is, is a funny thing. It's a funny thing what attraction does to you. Because as I was with Jennifer, you know, the class wasn't so bad. It wasn't so bad. The same is true, now to make the connection, uh, uh, where I was trying to connect that was, um, man, I was so focused on Jennifer that the class wasn't so bad. The class was made small in my mind. The same is true with self-denial. The same is true with as you get closer to God, the self will become smaller. I have one more good analogy. I heard this from some person, but actually... Um, it happened in real life. I was over at Nebraska Crossings and we were going to like, I think Jennifer and I were going to Walmart and I was pulling up beside and it was Shane. And I was like, Shane, what's up? Um, but he was like the car over, but slightly ahead of us. And I was like trying to wave at him. I was like, hey, you know? And then Jennifer was like, don't do it, Eric. And I, st- I honked. I was like, Ping. you know, trying to get his attention. Hey, I'm over here. He did not see me. Green light, gone. I was like, what? This is crazy. He was, so he was focused on where he was going. That he didn't, he didn't see me. He didn't realize. If we're focused on God, so the connection is, if we focus on God, we won't have time. We won't have the desire. Because if we, if we are following after God, if we're close enough to God, those sins will be less appealing to us. The self will be smaller. Think about that. The self is dangerous. The self will keep you, the self will keep you from self-denial or self-sacrifice. One thing will keep you from that. You know, God wants to do some amazing things in your life. God wants you to make a difference in your family. God wants you to have a loving home. God wants you to do awesome things in your business. God wants us as a church to affect Ashland and the surrounding area. God wants the church to affect this nation and to change this world. But you know the sure thing that will sabotage it all? It is the self. The self is a need for comfort, a need for ease, pride. Uh, The Bible says selfish ambition, compromise, self-seeking. We have to repent of those things. We have to repent of being self-focused. I just love that, that difference between Jesus and the disciples. Jesus was, man, he was ready for self-denial. They were not. I want to read a quick passage. This is from Romans. This is a wonderful passage that actually I had in my Romans class in college. We had lots of debates on this passage. It was fun. Okay. This is Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. It says, and this passage is 
a wonderful passage. Paul is talking about his struggle inside of him. You and I have a struggle inside of us. We have this flesh, we have this old man or this old woman that's hanging on, that wants to take over, but we are to deny that. And this is his personal struggle with it. And we're going to start in verse 14. It says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. I do not do what I want, but the very thing I hate, but I do the very thing I hate. That's interesting. That is very interesting. If you're a Christian for long, that is true. That is true, man. You got to fight this thing. Now, if I do what I do not want, now, if I do what I, I got to make sure I read this right. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, is no longer I who do it, but a sin that dwells in me. Just a couple more verses. This is just such a great verse to think about, okay? This is like, boom, this is the self. This is, the, this is your my battle every day of the week. So I find that to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind and taking me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of this death? Now, the passage goes on and says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. I just love that passage. That is what you and I have to contend with. So first point, the closer you get to God, the smaller the self will be. Let's go to the next point and the next part of the passage. So we're going back to Mark chapter 10. Let's go back to Mark chapter 10. Now he tells them of his death and then he continues on and there's an interesting interchange that happens here. And you will recognize this passage because it's a funny one. It's an interesting one. So starting in verse 35, it says, And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. First of all, that's pretty bold. That's pretty bold. It's like, we're not going to tell you, but you have to commit right now. Do whatever, you know, let's go. I'm pretty sure my wife has told me that before. Like, hey, you're going to do whatever, you know, it's happening. What I say, here we go. And interesting, how would Jesus respond to this? Very interesting request. He says, what do you want me to do for you? So just like, hey, yeah, well, let me hear what it is first. And they say to him, grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left hand in your glory. That would be great. That would be great. That's what we want. That's awesome. Now, these were common men again. 
and they were hanging out with Jesus, and they're thinking, man, we're going to go to Jerusalem. He's going to be crowned king. I want to be on the right hand. I want to be on the left hand. couple things also. Um, James and John, they are two of the three first disciples. They were two of the three that went up with Jesus to the Mount of Transfiguration and saw him, right? Whoa! This is like inner circle, man. These guys, they're tight with Jesus. And um, they are also one of the threes that goes with him while Jesus prays in the Garden of Gethsemane, which is really cool. Now, um, if you go to, okay, I just want to pause there just for, ah, no, let's keep reading. Okay, let's keep reading. Okay, verse 38, Jesus said to them, you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? They said, we are able. And Jesus said to him, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And the baptism that I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand and my left hand, my right and my left, is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. It's a lot there. It's a very interesting passage. Now, there is a part in Matthew chapter 20. It's the parallel passage. And sometimes... Uh, they add a little bit. And actually, what's very interesting about the uh, Matthew passage is that their mom comes with them. So I just got to add this in here. This is very interesting. This is just two verses. So this is the same story, but in Matthew. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came with them, with her sons, and kneeling before him, kneeling before Jesus, she said, she asked him for something. And he said to her, what do you want? And she asked him, Say that these two sons of mine are here to sit at your right hand and your left hand in your kingdom. Interesting. Now, I just want to think about this for a second. This is something that is not borne out with, with humility. This is something that is brought with pride. This is something they are seeking position. They are th seeking authority. They see Jesus, right? They're going to ride this thing all the way in, right? They're going to ride this train all the way home. And they even brought their mom. Now, what's very interesting about the mom is that she was likely a cousin of Mary, the mother of Jesus. So, ooh, they're bringing in the family. This is great. Wow. This is awesome. Now, Jesus ultimately says no to them. But I love what he asks. I just want to zoom in on it. This is our second point. The second point is, and I'll, I'll correlate the verse here in just a second, but the second point is for, um, man, we worship God by self-denial. This is the second point. Self-denial and suffering are our credentials as Christians. Let me say that again. Self-denial and suffering are our credentials as Christians. Ooh, that sounds morbid, but it's not. It's not, okay? <laughs> that sounds really bad, but it's not because it's joyful. Man, we get to suffer for Jesus. We get to drink this cup. We get to be baptized by this baptism. Now, let's look at this verse. How do, how, okay, Eric, I hear what you're saying. Self-denial and suffering is our, are our credentials as Christians. Okay, show me where that is. Look in verse 38, his response to them. You do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? What cup is Jesus referring to? He is referring to the cup of God's wrath that will be poured out on him 
on the cross. This is what he was praying for, uh, sweating drops of blood in the garden. He was wrecked at this. They ask him, hey, we want to sit on your right hand. He says, where's your credentials? Are you, are you going to suffer? Are you going to drink this cup? Are you going to be baptized with this baptism? Both of those refer to suffering. Suffering. Very interesting. Why does Jesus say that? I am convinced, and this is something that, that I have been growing in, something that I, I feel like I've been learning in. I really could care less what somebody says about a doctrinal point. You know, I'm going to stand on truth. I want to stand on truth, okay? Ugh. Hear me when I say this. I want to know that they got skin in the game. You know what I'm saying? I want them to have suffered for it. Because if you're not willing to suffer for the truth, you ain't worth much. That's the truth. That's the truth. Jesus says, Jesus hears this request. What? Are you able to drink, take this cup that I'm going to drink? Are you able to take this baptism that I'm, I'm going to be baptized with? Now, what's very interesting is they don't know what they're, they don't even know what's going on in this conversation. They just say, yeah, we will. Yeah, we'll, we'll take that. We got this, right? They have no idea what they're talking about. But it's very interesting, and this is awesome. You know what's so cool, what gives me hope about this passage and how hard it is and how challenging it is? It works. After Jesus dies, his disciples are so tethered to him. Oh my, if you know the history of the disciples, all but one of them are martyred for their faith. They give everything. They repent fully and they totally deny their, themselves for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of the kingdom. Isn't that a wonderful truth? They get over it eventually. It takes a while, as it takes a while for some of us, some of me. me. <laughs> they say, we are able, and Jesus, Jesus gives two prophecies in this passage, kind of cool that Jesus is just throwing out prophecies. The first one is, hey, he says, I'm going to die. So he prophesies, I'm going to die. And he, so at the time, it was in the future. But where we are, it's, it's already passed. It's, a, it's already been fulfilled. What's also interesting about this passage, they say, we are able to drink that cup and be baptized by your baptism. And Jesus says to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and my left hand are not mine to, to, to grant. It's for those who have been prepared for them. That's something in heaven. That's some glorious, that's some awesome, that's some great position God has prepared. But they're going to drink from that cup. They're going to be baptized by that baptism of suffering and self-denial. I want to ask you a question The question is, is there something separating from you from God right now? Is there some self-denial that you need to do? Maybe it is something in your personal life. Maybe it is a sin that has just been clinging so close and you just got to take that thing out to the woodshed. Just got to take it out. Not, and I don't say this to say, hey, we got to beat ourselves up. We got to, you know, 
hit our, it's, you know, we got to do some weird religious thing. No, what I'm saying is we do this in worship to God. We do this in worship to God. Self-denial, the denial of the self, we do that out of worship for God. Now I want to go to my last point. So the first point, guys, is the closer we get to God, um, the closer we get to God, the smaller the self becomes. The second point is self-denial and suffering are our credentials as Christians. The last one is this, and this is from this next passage, which I'll read here in just a second. True life and true glory come from radical denial of self for Christ. True life and true glory come from radical self-denial for Christ. And let's read this last passage. So the disciples, they, they were, uh, you know, the two, they were talking with Jesus. And of course, the rest of the disciples hear this, right? And they're like, wait, what? They're going to get it first? Like, what? They had their mom come in? You're going to give them the right hand and the left hand? What about us, right? Oh man, I'd be upset too. Okay, verse 41. It says, and when the 10 heard of it, so this is everybody else, right? The herds here. Uh, they began to be indignant with James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be among you. But whoever will be great amongst you must be your servant. And whoever must be first among you must be, your, must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to serve, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I love that verse. I love that verse. It's so powerful. Jesus, his death, it wasn't only just to save us. It was our example. When I look at that, that gets me so pumped and that equips me. That gives me the joy and the thankfulness that I need because I know Jesus has done this for me. I can do it for somebody else. True life and true glory come from radical self-denial for Christ. Uh, in here, in this passage, uh, it talks about glory um, those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and the great ones uh, uh, exercise authority over them. There is greatness. There is firstness. But who will be first in the kingdom? There's all these, man, positions. I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to be the leader. I want to have control. I want to do this. I want to I be in the position where what I say goes. I want the power I want the prestige. You can just hear the self screaming out. And you know that's true? If we look around us in our culture, it says, uh, verse 42, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles, they lord it over them. Just think about the, you know, Rome, right? If you would cross Rome, oh man, they would put you on a cross outside the town, right? You wouldn't be going nowhere. Are you kidding me, Right? The Gentiles and Jews knew this with a fine point pen, man. This was their whole life. They were under the boot of oppression. And those people, they lured it over them. But you know what should never happen in the church? Is that. Should never, ever have that kind of attitude in the church. It's so destructive. 
It's so the self. But Jesus says the alternative. And I love this picture. It says this, verse 30, or 43, it says, but it shall not be so among you. Whoever would be great amongst you must be your servant. That's not the self. That's being Jesus. And whoever would be first among you, you want that first position? You want to be looked up to? Must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. If you really know God, then it's a joy to live for God. Amen? It's such a joy. It's such a privilege. Um, Let's pray. God, I thank you. Thank you for your word. Um, Jesus, sometimes um, the self can be strong and it can um, war against us. But God, I am so filled with joy. I am so thankful for your example for my life, God. You gave it all up. You gave everything for me, Jesus. And God, it's my joy as I follow you and as I worship you that I want to love you with every part of me, God. I don't, I don't want to hold anything back. God, I pray that you would help make us believers that deny the self. God, I pray that you would help us to be worshipers that are just sold out for you, God. And God, we will fail and we'll fall short. And in that, we are so comforted, God, because you've overcome sin, you've overcome punishment, you've overcome all shame, and it's out of that we can live. Thank you, Jesus. And we pray that in your name. Amen.